Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, hoping to talk to Jay Williams here shortly, Wolf, but we can get back into the Phoenix Sun situation here as uh, as we wait for that. And it's more than just the free throw differential last night. It's you know it's Milwaukee being a team that is um, what are they twenty one and two in their last twenty three games? <laughs> I, I think for me, the way I'm sort of parsing this out is is I've reached my limit of games I can write off. For the Suns, you have you can lose the game to Sacramento. They're a good team. You're playing without Kevin Durant. Okay, uh, I, I shouldn't like not like they can't lose any more games. But I'm saying at least for now, I can write off a loss to Golden State and Golden State. You don't have Kevin Durant w- without it impacting them having a chance to win a title this year. Everybody's losing to Milwaukee, and you didn't have Kevin Durant. But but it's time to start winning some games again because they were winning games when Kevin Durant was here but not playing which means they didn't have Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, or KD, and they were yes. still winning games. And, and they got to win some games. And, and the ones coming up this week, Orlando, like you said, is is of your final 13, on paper, one of your two or three easiest. And yet, they have the rookie of the year on their team. Yeah, um, there's no doubt. They've got a tough schedule when you look at their schedule over the final 13 games of the season right now. They've got three, three teams I think you would identify as, okay, those are gimmies when there is no such thing of course when you compete at the highest level our species can generate there are no gimmies but i think we'd all look at that and say okay they're not um sacramento they're not denver twice by the way so they Clippers, Lakers they've got twice. yeah they've got a tough schedule there's no denying that but one of the bright spots of the game last night and there weren't a lot of them based on how that thing ended one of the bright spots was the bench actually for the phoenix suns they outscored the bucks the the Suns bench outscored the Bucks in campaign. By the way, was actually in double digits for the first time in a while. That's the one to zero in on. I think I'm glad you brought that up. Campaign 13 points in 17 minutes. It's not all about you know the points with him always. It's just what kind of impact can he make if they need to go to him. And that's the guy that when you look on the bench, I think you're most I don't want to say worried about, but most attentive towards because he's the one that could potentially swing a lot of the Suns' season. In the the playoffs we've yeah. seen it in the past all right jay williams joining us right now on the arizona sports line co-host of uh Keyshawn jay will and max obviously on espn joins us every week jay uh thanks for the time how you doing i'm doing good boys how you guys doing hanging in there jay <laughs> yeah we're, we're trying to to make sense of, of how we're supposed to feel about the suns that they don't have kevin durant but they've also lost three in a row and the west is just a gauntlet right now mm-hmm. where do you come out on this I kind of feel like with the there, there are a lot of things up in the air right now. Look, Denver is not playing its basketball. John Morant is taking a leave of absence from the team for probably the rest of the season. Um, you know, the Sacramento Kings are a talented team who have some defensive challenges but lack the playoff experience. Uh, Golden State's trying to come back into the form, but Andrew Wiggins is taking a leave of absence. Uh, the Lakers are trying to figure it out, but they feel like they're on the outside looking in. We can see how matchups work. I, I still think at the end of the day that if you're your squad, like you feel like this thing is still open, and the sooner Kevin Durant can get back, the more in tune your team can start trying to find 
who they are. Um, for me, I think this is going to be a race uh, with the team who's healthy at the right time. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to look through a crystal ball and tell you exactly when that's going to happen. But I think I, I will take the odds of having Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and CP3 on the floor together healthy uh, still against anybody else in the Western Conference. I still think Denver's the most complete team. Even I think they're going through a lull right now. But I, I still like the firepower as long as Kevin Durant is healthy. And that's a big question. Yeah, I just got to ask you this quickly. As a former professional athlete myself, okay, and I know you played at the highest level, <laughs> do you ever see somebody roll an ankle like that and finish the yes. workout? And finish the workout? Yes. You have? Well, not finish the workout. That blew Look, my it, mind. It <laughs> We've been having it somebody else the same night in the league. I, I, you know, when I, 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 I'm going to just tell you a quick story. So I literally, I got cut from the New Jersey Nets, and I got offered to play over in Italy for a really good lump sum of money. And I was like, you know what? I, I took a week off. I was like, I got to get back in the gym and start training. And I started doing full court layup drills just to work on my conditioning. I literally rolled my good ankle doing a layup by myself because I literally kind of stepped on a, on a slick spot on the court. So I've seen it happen before. Wow. The, the thing, though, that always worries me about KD is that KD is so, his legs are so skinny sometimes. I'm actually happy that he didn't have a knee injury off of that. Like, I'm happy it was just, you know, a, a sprain on the ankle, and that takes a while to heal. But I'm glad it wasn't worse because the way that could have gone, it could have been a season in the thing for him. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good point. Now I actually you know, feel a little bit better. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I do feel a little bit better now. Yeah, you should feel better about it. Oh. This season still has a chance. You know what I mean, Luke? That's true. Everybody remain calm. Uh, James Jones did say the other day, Jay, that he kind of indicated that you know if this was the playoffs right now, KD could be out there. He just he'd be struggling, and I would assume a lot of that means uh, you know defensively. But everything you just mentioned with a lot of the Western Conference teams going through stuff right now, how much of that in your mind is just you know kind of weird circumstances, but also teams don't necessarily have that sense of urgency in the regular season right now. They're trying to build for the playoffs. Well, you know, today on our show, I, I tried to come up with a, a, a list of criteria that I think I would like to have reflect around the MVP voting, and it's similar to, to this case. I, I, get, I get frustrated sometimes because, you know, on TV, a lot of the talking points almost in a way devalue the regular season, and you heard Dame talk about this on J.J. Reddick's podcast, mm-hmm. where it's like there, there's so much attention that real competitors give to the regular season, where it's like I, 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 I don't want to load manage. I want to compete. I want to I play in those big-time, nationally televised game matchups. Uh, I want to see other stars and defend them head-on. I get that there's always uh, a strategic lens to look through as it gets ready for playoff time. But I also think like how you finish the season matters, guys. Like To me, it was always about like how do you catch traction at the right time, which is leading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody finds their rhythm like in the first playoff series. Like you typically find that a couple of games before where you're like, all right, like we understand who we are fully. Everybody is healthy. We execute on defensive assignments and everybody's scoring power seems like it's on the same page. And for me it's like the team that can find that at the right time, these last ten, fifteen games, I give them advantage going into the playoffs. 
Jay Williams will probably call you again in a week for more uh, for more sports <laughs> therapy. That helped, man. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Everybody stay calm. Yeah, that's like, right. Everybody stay calm. Okay? Thank you, Jay. We'll Appreciate you, We still a chance we can go streaking, Luke. Stay okay. calm. All right. That's good. That's a good point. All right. <laughs> Jay, Jay Williams joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. I do feel a little bit better. The I mean, it could have been a knee injury, I guess. That's true. Yeah, he's right. It could have been that. Combine that with James Jones saying if this were the playoffs, he'd probably be out there. I feel a little bit better. Yeah. I'd like to see some wins again, though. That, that, nothing nothing makes you are, feel are you better. Are you sure it's reevaluating after three weeks, though? Are you sure? I don't know. If they this losing streak gets up to like five or six, <laughs> it we, might be. Uh, can we try that, too? How about I don't re- know. reevaluate uh, now? All right. The clock is ticking on you to join the madness for your shot at the grand prize $1,000 in tickets to next year's Madness Tournament, text BUCKS to 620-620 and fill out your bracket to compete in the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. That's BUCKS to 620-620. When we come back, Will Hernandez is back. What does that say about the Cardinals' offseason plan? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NFL free agency frenzy with Wolf and Luke. Thanks to Jay Williams and Lorenzo Alexander for joining us already. And we got a few more guests lined up throughout the show today. Certainly Mike Hazen's actually going to join us in just a little bit so we can talk a little D-backs. Wolf, I think we're going back out there next week. Yeah, we are, as a matter of fact. Can't wait for that. was fun. Love going out there. Really do. Uh, We're going to go Cardinals here, though. And the flip side to the conversation we had earlier of letting Byron Murphy and Zach Allen go is clearly the new regime liked Kelvin Beecham and Will Hernandez. They bring both them back and I don't know. Do you start there with that? I'm so jacked up about it. Those are two guys you really wanted back. Um, (laughs) Is that prioritizing the offensive line or is that in your mind more guys that fit the mold of what you're talking about regardless of position? Yeah, both. There's no denying it. Both. Uh, This is something that I know there were a lot of people that heard me say this and you didn't like it. Twitter tough guy that is out there. Oh, yeah. Calvin Beecham, he sucks. Um, Will Hernandez, what are you talking about? Worst offensive line in the league. Um, that wasn't Hollywood Brown that tweeted the beach thing, right? Yeah, right. It was. Oh, okay, great. No, it was somebody <laughs> else who actually did that. But still, it's just a case where you're not watching it. You're not. Oh, but I've got pro football focus. They only hit him in so many. T- you know what? Pro football focus doesn't know what Calvin Beecham's assignment is on every job. They don't know. Okay, so you tell me, who do they have evaluating this stuff? You're telling me there's a bunch of coaches that are sitting around that belong in the NFL who are sitting there grading their tape? I don't think so. That's just me. Especially on the offensive line, which is traditionally the most difficult on the offensive line. Thank you very much. Great if you don't run. Okay, so once again, don't get me all fired up. But Luke, what are you doing? Well, (laughs) I've gotten to the point I wanted to make. I'm looking at the Cardinals depth chart right now, just to kind of you know refresh the who they have signed on the offensive line. Uh, okay, left tackle, and then they have, you know, they actually have Marquise Okay, T.J. Humphreys. Yeah, I like that. Dog okay. that he is, I like that one. On the right side, they have Kelvin Beecham and Will Hernandez. They don't even have the center position listed 
They it's not like center position need that. They don't even have center. They look like the way this depth chart is set up. It's like the Cardinals are going to play with four offensive linemen. They need a center. Yeah, there were there were four guys that I really wanted the Arizona Cardinals to sign back, and I knew they wouldn't be able to get all four of them. But Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, Will Hernandez, and Calvin Beecham. Those are my four guys, and and three of those guys are on the line of scrimmage. Three of them have their hands down on the line of scrimmage. It's so important. This is where the rebuild has got to happen. First, for the Arizona Cardinals, on the line of scrimmage. That's why I was a little surprised that Zach Allen got away, but once I saw what they paid him, it wasn't a surprise to me because, again, I think the Arizona Cardinals are raising the floor, not the ceiling. Zach Allen would have been the ceiling. Zach Allen is a good, is a really good player. Well, why not go ahead and sign three good players as opposed to just one really good player? Because right now we're in a total rebuild. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, J.J. Watt walking away. We're in a rebuild. Our quarterback's going to miss games. Yeah, to me it makes perfect sense as to what they're doing. You know I agree with you on the O-line moves. And you know I don't, I don't love the, especially the Zach Allen. I can, I can get over the Byron Murphy thing when you factor in the injury. I, I get all that. The Zach Allen thing is, if this is not a five-year rebuild, I still think Zach Allen could help you in a rebuild. But that's we've we've had that conversation. I'm sure we'll have it again as, as they start to sign pieces on defense. But specifically, He's a regime change. That's what God's Zach. Yeah, Allen. specifically with uh, with Will Hernandez and Kelvin Beecham. And in fact, I'm going to play this clip for you, Wolf. Since you are all fired up, this will make you a little bit happier. <laughs> Please. This is uh, Kelvin Beecham when he joined. Joined us all the way back in August. Remember that up in the press box at State Farm Stadium? Oh, yeah. We told him you would vote for him as president. And yes. he looked at you like, I'm not running. Uh, but we did ask him about Will Hernandez. Now, remember, Will Hernandez had not played a game yet for the Cardinals. But I think for the most part, when he was on the field, he was what they expected him to yes. be, right? So this is what Beach said about him. He is truly a brawler. Uh, if you look at him, if you happen to walk by him, this is a refrigerator that happens to be playing football. Uh, he is He's a square, square can be 340. He is solid as a rock, man. He is a uh, he's a house. So uh, looking forward to, to spending more time with him. Uh, you know, being able to to build that camaraderie that you need to be able to have, uh, especially playing next to somebody. Uh, we've had a lot of great conversations already. Have spent some quality time with each other already. Uh, so excited to see what comes from it. Yeah, you know what, me as well. I'm excited to see what comes of it. He is a brawler. He is a fighter. That's what he is. He's he also, at least for me, when I watched him on tape, he played, I believe it was nine games, Um, nine games, I believe he played. And then he got hurt. I think it was weeks 10 through 13. And then he came back and finished it up. But if you watch tape of the Arizona Cardinals in that first nine games that he played, he was their best offensive lineman most consistent offensive lineman overall. And then um, Calvin Beecham, I would say, after that. So those two guys coming back to me, you know it. I said it from the very beginning. Those two guys coming back got me jacked up because they're physical players. They are physical. They're not the best in the league. I'm not trying to say they're going to the Pro Bowl, but they are pros, and they are starters. And deserve to be starters in the National Football League. And they're pros. They're guys who won't get you beat on a regular basis. Every now and then, they're going to get beat just like everybody else gets beat. Okay, so here, here's, here's a couple things, though, with the offensive line now. Um, a, 
I would argue center is the biggest need on this team right now. And you could, I guess, add in defensive line and now corner because they let Byron Murphy walk. But you don't have a center. And B, I like Kelvin Beecham, and I liked what I saw from Well Hernandez. Okay, Well Hernandez. But I don't know what to make of that, that, that Hollywood Brown tweet. I really don't. Because... When he when he throws that comment in there at the end about how Kyler Murray's been running for his life, I just can't get out of my head that on some level Kyler Murray feels that way. Maybe that's not fair. Kyler has said in the past he's going to have Twitter on his phone. But if Kyler Murray feels that way, if he doesn't trust his offensive line, you're now bringing back a pretty good chunk of it. So does there have to be some sort of like... Not intervention, but like everybody sits down and has a talk. The offensive yeah. line with their quarterback and bring in Hollywood too, since he's actually the one. Well, that first said of it. all, there will be a conversation. There's no denying that. There's going to be a talk, and it's going to be eye to eye and chin to chin. Did that happen last That's year? That's going to happen. I, I, I don't know, but I again, was this going on last year? I have no idea. How many iterations of their starting offensive line did the Arizona Cardinals actually employ last year? Felt like fifty, sixty, something ridiculous. So, yeah, their offensive line was all banged up, a mess, from the very beginning. And if you want to talk about what derailed the Arizona Cardinals, um, that is where you start. Yeah, but I'm not saying the offensive line was bad. I'm saying, are you concerned that the quarterback believes his offensive line is bad? Well, you know what? I, I think the quarterback probably believed that last year, that the offensive line was bad. And guess why? Because it was. The offensive line had so many different starting combinations, so many guys missing time. It was bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing was good last year, really. Nothing. <laughs> Except yeah, but start there again, the line of scrimmage. It's one of the reasons why the rebuild is starting on the line of scrimmage and will continue on the line of scrimmage. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Suns have lost three games in a row, two playoff teams. What does that tell us, if anything, about uh, what they're going to do against the best teams in the league and maybe bigger picture? We'll just go around the Western Conference because Jay Williams alluded to this before. Now Denver is in free fall, too. It, it's changing like hour by hour, it feels like. So we'll get you all caught up on that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show here on this rainy. Still rainy? Yeah, still rainy. Rainy Wednesday uh, morning here around the Valley. The Phoenix Suns have dropped three in a row. Now 37 and 32, and Wolf, we had Jay Williams on just a little bit ago, and he brought this up too. Denver has dropped four in a row, and they actually only have a four-game lead on the number two seed in the Western Conference. So everybody that was ready to just give the Nuggets the title because they had the best record in the West, they're probably still going to have it, <laughs> but they are going the wrong direction. It just it feels like every couple days we look at this, and there's three teams on the rise and like four teams completely just dropping in the free fall. Yeah, you know, that is the way that it goes, especially this time of the year. Um, and especially bodies. this year in this conference. Because yes, the East is pretty much just locked. No, I know. You're, you're right about that. But especially this year, it's starting to come to a head right now, isn't it? Everything we expected about the Western Conference and how jammed up the Western Conference was going to be. Guess what? <laughs> 
That's exactly what is happening right now. So much fluidity that is going on. The Nuggets, for the most part, as we all know, they have been in the catbird seat the entire season. For the most part, they have been dominant. And now, all of a sudden, starting to show those signs of a long season and not being able to play at a certain level all the time. It's called the NBA, the National Basketball Association, because it's the highest level of basketball we as a species can generate. That means at some point in time, everybody goes through the ebb and flow of a season. Everybody. Even the Suns, when they won 64 games, there was the ebb and the flow of a season. It's going to get you at some time, at some point. Just hope it's not at the end of the season, going into the postseason, where it gets you. This is Devin Booker. After the game last night, talking about the Suns' three-game losing streak. I like how we've been fighting. Um, you know, every game has been its own story, and you know, I think we have to get out to better starts. You know, we've been fighting uphill battle every game, and you know, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for us is you know to get out and you know start the games better, so we're not on an uphill battle the whole game. And they did start better last night. They did. Certainly. So, I mean, that that's that's encouraging to see them clearly behind the scenes identify, hey, what happened against Golden State? Can't start that way really anymore this season because you're kind of – you're in that – that ramp up period now. That's another thing Jay Williams said that we've you know we've talked about on the show before, but it's good to hear him say it because he played in the league. You don't you don't flip that switch in game one of the NBA playoffs. You flip the switch like now. This is when you start to turn it on, and that's Steph Curry. We played that cut of him I, yesterday. I, that's exactly what I was thinking about. He, he gave us the secret for Golden State. He He's did. like, we're starting to do it now. This is when you do it. Yes, it's just okay. That's great for you. I'm so glad, Steph. You yeah. Get this sweet flip Mr. that switch. Perfect. Here we go. By the way, you've got the switch to flip. We all know the well, the Suns don't have that. With KD not in their lineup, that switch is not there to flip. Yeah, it's not like Devin Booker needs motivation to play any game. Book is gonna go out there and he's gonna ball. It's not like the vast majority of guys on the Suns roster, like they need motivation to go out and do their job. These guys want a ball. They love playing. That's what they do. But when you don't have Kevin Durant, it changes the entire paradigm of what it is you're trying to do. And that switch is not there to flip. And that's the part about this that is... It's just getting a little annoying, isn't it? Well, yeah, because I mean, more than annoying. When you put it that way, that's that's not anything the Suns are doing wrong. You know, that's and that's, that's what makes it so annoying. Well, it makes it harder to fix it too. And and then you have this. You know, Devin Booker. You just said it, you don't need to motivate him. Thirty points last night. Uh, Thirty-two against Golden State. Twenty-eight against Sacramento. And and the twenty-eight against Sacramento was his worst of the month. Before that, it was forty-four, thirty-six, thirty-five, thirty-seven. But in the last three games, which, remember, were in four nights, he's played 117 minutes. So, again, this is taking the Suns away from everything Chris Paul said they wanted at the start of the year. We played that clip, you know, after the Houston game in October where Chris Paul basically told us what the plan was. He said, look, we, we need less um, less pressure on on himself and Devin Booker over the course of the season. Less wear and tear, so when you head into the playoffs, you're not beaten down. This is kind of the, the mystery every NBA team's trying to solve. You know, Devin Booker never looks tired. 
but he played 43 minutes last night. He played 35 the night before. We're getting close to the playoffs. There's no way that was the plan. In fact, I know it wasn't the plan because Monty Williams said that after the game. Campaign gave us a great lift. Um, Jock gave us a great lift. And it's it's good for us. You know, without Kevin, that's a championship quality team. They've won a title. Um, they play a certain style, and they played it the whole game. I thought we got a little tired um, down the stretch. I played book way too many minutes, but we needed his offense um, the whole game. Yeah, they did, and Devin Booker was smoldering once again. Had a rough first half, right? Five of 13. Yeah. Actually, shot looked, his way right out of it, though, in the second shot half. his way right out of it, and that second, the smolder was back. And especially, how about how he ended the third quarter? One on one, Jay Crowder, here we go, <laughs> right? The handle that Book actually showed on that, that was fantastic. Hit a, a pull up, a classic pull up, Devin Booker shot, mid range shot to cut the lead to one on the final shot. And Buster, it was fantastic. One of those shots that if you and saw it. And Jay Crowder and Book going at it. Yeah, if you saw the shot, but like they dimmed the screen or something so you couldn't tell who took it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it was Devin Booker. Uh, here he is after the game talking about Crowder. It's always fun. It's a high-level competitor. Um, you know what it is. We have experience together. And you know, I got a lot of respect for him. And, you know, we just leave it on the court. And here's Crowder on Booker. What you guys didn't know is training camp. I want that match. I want him because if I can guard him, I can damn near guard anybody in the league. So uh, that's just like a glorified practice right there, what you saw. A lot of trash talking, a lot of bumping, uh, but Devin's a hell of a scorer. And I, and, I, and I I feel like I can make it tough on him. I can make it tough on a lot of guys. Man. Don't you kind of miss Jay? Right there. You kind of miss I Jay. Do, just a little bit, yes. I course. understand it wasn't going to work. I mean, obviously, obviously it didn't work, but uh, it did for a couple years, and I miss Jay Crowder. Yes. I'm not going to apologize for that. Yes, Jay Crowder. Thank you, Jay. That's enough out of you. Yeah, now go away. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to see you again. I yeah, miss you. You know what? I, I, it brought back so many good memories, again, of competing at the highest level and, and doing it hard with everything that you had and laying it on the line and then respecting the guy after because he did the same thing, you know? Even if you got killed by the guy, you still, you know, you, you, you just, there's a mutual respect that happens as long as you fight your way to the ground, metaphorically speaking, or literally out on a football field. Well, he Those said memories, it, right there. it was great to see that again. The smile was there, but both of those guys, they were 100% serious before that shot was taken. Uh, text Valley to 62620 and become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. That's Valley to 62620. When we come back, everybody has an opinion on the D-backs signing Corbin Carroll already. We're going to ask the man who actually signed him about it. Mike Hazen joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports Leader. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, opening day not that far away, and there's definitely a buzz around this team this year. Wolf, you and I have talked about it really for a lot of the offseason, waiting for, for a Cactus League play. Joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now is the general manager of your Arizona Diamondbacks, Mike Hazen. Mike, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Well, it's raining, so not great, but we'll <laughs> we'll get through it. 
Um, I guess let's uh, let's just kind of start big picture with the the spring. Has has anything really stood out to you or surprised you through the first couple weeks? Um, that is a boring answer, but not really. You know, we're, we've talked about this. You know, depending on what you're kind of watching in the early stages, I think I think it really starts to ramp up from this. Where we're going to land on the bullpen, where we're going to end up um, with the last spots on the uh, on the on, on the team from position player side, I think that uh, that last rotation spot. Those are the big areas that we're going to be honing in on here in the next couple of weeks. And now that the players are playing longer in games, um, the WBC, you know throws a little bit of a wrench into that because you know we can't really put the team together with the amount of guys we have away. Um, but uh, and the pitchers are going deeper into game, so uh, you know. And as we make cuts and we hone down on the guys that are going to be kind of vying for those last spots, I think the next couple of weeks of games will start to get a lot more interesting. So, Mike, I know you're going to hate this question because you've been asked this a hundred million times, I'm sure already. But can you talk to us about Corbin Carroll and the eight-year, one hundred and eleven million dollar contract that you signed him to, and talk about why you thought it was a good idea to do it now? Yeah, I'm, I don't get tired of those questions. I appreciate them. Um, I like talking about Corbin Carroll um, because because he's a really good player and he is a great person. And I think our fans and our team are going to benefit from having him here for the foreseeable future without any threat or, you know, those distractive conversations around, you know, what's coming up in a couple of years, you're going to leave for free agency and what, what do we look like? So having him here to me is extremely important. Um, he is going to be one of our best players. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen tomorrow given he's still young and there's still going to be a learning process that we go through um, at the major league level. This is still the hardest level of competition that any player can try to tackle. Um, He's got so many exciting skills. I think fans are going to really enjoy watching him if they haven't already, which I know they probably all have um, and gotten a little bit of a taste of it. He's a very dynamic player. And when you get dynamic players with his kind of makeup, with his kind of work ethic and his kind of preparation, you tend to want to make those bets in my line of work. Um, And I think it's an important message for our clubhouse. I think it's an important message for certainly the city and the fans, et cetera. But I think it's an important message for our clubhouse that we're, we're looking to anchor down around this team. Uh, You know, we did it last year with, with Cattell and, and, and with, um, with Merrill, and we're going to continue to try to do it in the future um, to try to keep a group of players here for as long as we can playing together that grew up together in our system in a lot of ways. And we think they're talented and we're, we're going to give some teams in our division a run for their money. So we're very fortunate to be able to get something done like that. It, it has to go to, it's a two way street, you know, and, and we didn't look at this like we were going to just try to get the absolute best deal we could. And if he took it great, good for us. And if not, no, Oh, well, you know, we try, to get a deal done and so that meant we had to bend too and we did um but we felt like it was an important step for us we're going to continue to try to do these things well that was kind of my next question is that sort of your your philosophy for building the team because you obviously drafted a lot of good young talent and it seems like it's developing pretty well too so i mean that that is that's got to be priority number one right to make sure if you're going to develop guys they're developing for you and not somebody else that's right. Well, number one is, number one, we need to find and draft the right guys. And I think our scouts have done an incredible job in the draft internationally um, of, of identifying a lot of really good players. And we have those. And yes, we've had the benefit of picking at the top of the draft. Uh, the unfortunate benefit of picking at the top of the draft. Um, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job with that. Um, and now the job is mine, which is 
to try to ensure, to the best of our ability, that we're able to keep that group together. I mean, it's great. You go and draft guys, and you build a great farm system. Great. That doesn't get. There's no trophies for that. Um, not in my line of work, and certainly not externally. So. The next challenge for us is going to be how to put that a team together around those players. And I think, again, I think we took some steps last spring, and I think this was another one of those steps. Mike, how much of the rule changes factored into this extension right here? Did that sway you one way or the other at all? No, I don't think so. I think it was more about, I see why you're asking the question. Yes, I think he <laughs> should benefit from some of these rule changes. One, being a left-handed hitter, and two, um, having the speed that he does. Uh, but that that didn't go into this. I, I think it was more about the the trust in the person that, you know, my, my unyielding belief that he goes to bed every day waking up wanting to be a better player than he was the day before. And I, and I said this at the press, like, I, I think that's an important quality for elite players, I think, because it is a characteristic, in my experience, around elite players. Yes, there is talent. There's elite talent at times, but there's also that elite makeup. And and that's, to me, what it is. It's, it's there's, whether we, he signed this deal or not, um, what, what was he going to do differently? The answer to that was nothing. Um, and I know it's going to be nothing. He's going to do the exact same thing. He's going to be driven in the exact same ways. That's an important thing. When, when, when you're talking about doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Talking to D-backs GM Mike Hazen right now. Uh, Mike, you, you mentioned the World Baseball Classic, Merrill Kelly pitching for Team USA uh, tonight, and you got some other guys over there too. I, I know I know every team's dealing with this, but I guess how good of an experience do you think that is for those guys? But then also, does it make your job maybe not more challenging, but at least a little more complicated this year? I <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I suppose it complicates things. Um, from Tory getting to see his team play together um, for maybe more than he would normally do. I think it's an incredible experience. I think Alec Thomas playing in that game the other night at Chase Field with 50,000 people there. I think Jacob Steinmetz pitching last night against the Dominican Republic, yesterday afternoon against the Dominican Republic. Uh, there's so many little things. I think Merrill going out there representing Team USA, like, there is so – on a different stage, one that doesn't get created all the time in the National League West or in any major league random, you know, um, uh, regular season game. Yes, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, it's an experience they wouldn't get otherwise. I think it's only positive for them to get to see that stuff because you know when the next time you get to see it, you see it in the playoffs. Yeah. And so until you get there and until you experience something like that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of wondering what if, what would it be like. And the last time we had a game like that was in 2017 in the wild card. And we still talk about that day, how crowded the, the stands were and what, what, the, what it was like, the atmosphere. Um, we haven't gotten that again because we haven't been good enough to get that again. But when we are, the players get to see it. And I think it's important. I do. You know, Corbin was at that game the other night. Mer- um, Gall- Zach Gallon was at that game the other night. Jordan Lawler was at that game the other night. So they get to see it firsthand. You know, speaking of pitchers, have any young pitchers impressed you this spring? And if so, who? I think that entire group has done a good job. I don't, I, like I said earlier, I don't know that we're at the stage yet that 
I we're looking to be impressed from uh, who's going to make the club standpoint. I think the next couple, the next week or so, these next starts, you know, Tommy threw the ball well yesterday. I, I know Brandon Fott was scheduled to go tonight. Not exactly sure how that's going to change with the schedule changes with the weather. Um, you know, Nelly's been solid, and, and I've seen Dre pitch a couple times. And, you know, that, that group of guys, um, I think they're all doing fine. Uh, we'll, we'll see as we start up bear down on what decisions we're going to make on who we're taking there. And then the relievers, you know, the guys with the power velocity have looked good. I think, you know, we sent out Justin Martinez, but that's an intriguing arm, right? Up to 100 to 102 with a split. Um, but he's still got some development to go. I think at this level, as much as you can get enamored with the stuff, the command and the strikes have to go with it or good major league teams will wait you out and let you walk them. And that that it doesn't matter how good your stuff are stuff is at this level if you can't if you can't put it where you need to and so that's the next step for him. Well, we're about two weeks away from opening day, exciting time of year. Mike Hazen, thank you for the time as always, man. Good luck. Thank you, Mike. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. You too. That's uh, Mike Hazen, D-backs GM right there, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. But that's that's such a uh, a baseball GM answer, right? Well, how are you doing? Well, it's raining, so not as good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's so good at what he does. <laughs> that's, you know, that's um, there's an element of trust that, at least for me, and I think a lot of a lot of uh, baseball fans around the Valley have that of like, okay, you went out and signed Corbin Carroll. He only has played in 32 games, but you're Mike Hazen, and I think you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, if there, if it was a different GM, you might be like, have you lost your mind? Yeah. But it's Mike Hazen. He's pretty calculated with what he does. And his explanation is like, it's it makes sense. And I love the fact, too. How do you feel about some of these young arms that you have, these young pitchers? Oh, I like them all. That <laughs> <laughs> was really good. Uh, all right, coming up, all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolfing Down Your Lunch is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.